Welcome to the Payments Podium podcast hosted by the payments professor himself, Kevin Olson. This podcast discusses the past, present, and the possibilities of the payments industry. Here's the show. Hey, everybody. Payments professor Kevin Olson here, and I'd like to welcome everybody to the Payments Podium. Today, it's going to be EMV, not DMV. There will be no waiting in line for today. No, we're going to be discussing EMV and discussing EMV compliance specifically. Now, to be able to discuss EMV compliance, I've got Carly Furman. She is the CEO of NAX, and she's going to be introducing us to the wonderful world of EMV compliance. But before we get to EMV compliance, let's meet Carly first. Carly, would you please introduce yourself? Hi, thanks for having me, Kevin. Uh, my name is Carly Furman. I'm CEO of NIAX North America, where I oversee NIAX's business in the U.S. and Canada. Okay. Now, Carly, I got a question. This is what I generally ask everybody. You are the CEO and you're working with EMB compliance and we're going to get to that. But how did you get started in payments? What what you got you to the point that you ended up becoming a CEO of a company working with EMB compliance? How did you get into that world of payments? Sure. So um, I actually have an economics degree. I went to the University of California, Santa Barbara and became a CPA after graduating and then kind of through the twists and turns of how our careers, um, you know, kind of kind of happen. Um, I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to do some M&A work for NIAX. So NIAX is a global company and I started um, in more of a financial capacity um, working for our HQ office, which is in Tel Aviv, Israel, and then became more and more involved with the operations and as a global global payment solution provider. That's what we consider ourselves at NIAX. Um, I have become more and more involved um, with, of course, our sales and our operations and everything that is the payments world. And I'm lucky enough to have the opportunity now to um, preside over all of our U.S. and Canada business. I would say you definitely got more involved if, if you're over all of that and you to rise to that level. Bit. So <laughs> Uh, I, I, you probably share with me. I love payments. I love working in this industry. Um, I'm actually a fan of compliance and risk. I've told people for years that if you really want to continue to have a job forever, it is the best areas to go into are compliance, fraud, and risk. If you're looking at those three areas, you'll stay employed forever. Because even though we can come up with software solutions to do things, it still requires human intervention from time to time. Now, you today are going to be enlightening us on EMV compliance. Now, first of all, can you just give me a high level of what is EMV and what is EMV compliance? Why is it so important to us? Sure. So EMV, when we're speaking about EMV, we're talking about the payment card security. And I agree with you. I think, you know, sometimes um, compliance and security is kind of seen as a negative and we are definitely in the same boat. So this is a positive, right? This is the way to ensure, um, regardless of what your your service or your product that you're selling, we all need to take money at the end of the day. and We need to make sure we're doing it in a secure and safe way that people actually feel comfortable with so that our consumers want to be giving us business. Um, so when we're talking about EMV, um, we're talking about the actual chip card that, or the chip, excuse me, that's on a credit card. So um, prior to EMV, which stands for Eurocard, MasterCard, and Visa. It's a global, um, the global standard that basically started to ensure um, that that credit card data was going to be transmitted in a safer 
and more secure way than the mag swipe, so just that plain stripe at the back of a credit card, which um, you know is 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 static and is very easy for fraudsters to actually um, pick up and duplicate that credit card information. So EMV was a standard to allow chips to be put onto credit cards and allow a dynamic um, one-time code each time a card was presented um, to transmit that credit card data. Whether again, it's inserting the card, um, using the chip and inserting it into a payment terminal, or by um, an NFC or contactless method of either tapping or paying with mobile payment. Okay, so really it, it just replaced our swiping. So the, the chip, the whole purpose <laughs> of the chip was to give us a higher level of security because you know the swiping just didn't have the same level of security. And am, am I wrong in saying that EMB came around and came about because of so much fraud happening in the card world that this is a way to be able to control the fraud? Would that be a true statement? 100%. So prior to EMV, which actually has been around since 2010, in the U.S., you know, it can take us a little bit longer um, just due to the logistics, of course, and the sheer number of, of cards um you know in circulation but we really weren't seeing emv regulation starting until around 2015 here in the u.s but this has been around since 2010 globally and um prior to emv chip cards really becoming um, prevalent in the marketplace as well as payment terminals actually being able to become certified and enabled to actually take credit cards um via the emv chip um counterfeit credit card um uh was the number or counterfeit cards was the number one type of payment fraud um across you know all payment spectrums um in fact we see we've seen about a 75 percent decrease um in fraud and payment fraud altogether with emv cards um becoming more prevalent okay that's a huge decrease to have a 75 percent decrease since having emv that really, I guess that explains why we needed to have it. Now, one of the things you also said is it's been around since 2010, but it wasn't around till around 2015 that the U.S. started really getting involved more with EMV. Well, if I'm correct, what I understand is the U.S. was one of the last adopters of EMVs and getting it put in place. Is, is there any reason why we were last to be able to put this in place, knowing it did such a wonderful benefit of a decrease in fraud? Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the prime reason is, A, because of how many issuers there are out there, right? There's so many different banks um, being able to actually get credit cards, um, updated credit cards that didn't just have that mag swipe mm -hmm. on the back, but actually had a chip in them. It took a lot of time, right, for banks to be able to issue them, um, as well as the cost, right, having to actually um, uh, manufacture new cards with chips, as well as there were pushback, especially initially from retailers. Um, who said that it was going to be too costly for them to have to actually physically update their payment terminals um, for those that were not able to be updated over the air with the software to allow um, EMV uh, acceptance. And, you know, in fact, um, so NIACS, a little background too about NIACS, um, we really specialize in what we call unattended payments. So payments um, where there's not a, a person, a cashier, if you will, physically present to accept um, to accept the, the, the transaction. So the unattended industry, in fact, um, same as kind of um, um, fueling, has actually even seen a longer delay 
in order to get to EMV compliance and regulation. So hey, that is a great answer because that's one of the things I get hit with a lot of times is why don't we have this already in the US? And I try to explain to people when we compare the US market to other markets, yes, there is some comparison, but the reality is we have so many more financial institutions. We're talking around 10,000 compared to where some large countries, it's less than 100. So it's hard to get everybody on board all at once. So I love that you clarified that for everybody to understand there is a reason why it took so long. Now, one of the things that I heard, you know, and I want to know, is it myth or is it true that what helped with the acceleration of EMV adoption was the target data breach? That when the target data breach took place, suddenly this became more of a concern in the U.S. that, hey, maybe we do need to do something that will be safer for our uh, us to be able to have this in place. Is that true? Or was there something else that really accelerated the need for us to adopt faster to EMB? I think there's a few things. I think that, I think to, to your point, on um, some of the large retailer data breaches were a huge catalyst, right? Because what is going to be the primary um, cause for change is going to be demand from consumers, right? And consumers mm -hmm. became more aware that they that they wanted to be able to shop and spend their money in establishments that actually cared about their payment security. And um, we're gonna be putting that first and foremost. So I think, you know, actually when the some of those larger retailer breaches happened, like you mentioned, one of them, the target one, um, that actually, you know, did, um, um, you know, force retailers to have to make the change because consumers actually said, I'm not going to feel comfortable coming mm -hmm. and presenting my credit card somewhere where easily a fraudster could come and put a skimmer on a terminal. Well, and you talk about places where it's prevalent too, the gas pump. In fact, I thought about it this morning as, as I'm getting gas and I'm knowing that I'm going to be talking to you later today. I like, I love that I have to nowadays put my card in, it's got to sit there and then I've got to actually, you know, put pin and everything in there. So I've got, you know, the chip and pin taking place. Now let, let's get into the compliance. What, what exactly does it mean to be EMB compliant at a basic level? What's that mean to somebody out sure. there? And actually, one thing I want to point out that you just mentioned, because I think it is, um, uh, I hear this a lot, right? Is do you need to have a pin um, put in or even a signature when you're utilizing EMV? And you actually don't need to. So in the unattended environment, we actually do what's called pinless debit. So we run um, our cards and someone either inserts it or taps it without the requirement of a pin, as well as there's no requirement for a signature. And we actually see that there really is not a massive amount, in fact, almost no um, difference in not requiring um, pin or signature as long as it's still running on an EMV kernel. As long as someone is still able to insert that card and or tap it, so pay with NFC, but through an EMV kernel, um, the, the, the risk of fraud is still almost the same um, as it is if you were still having to be prompted to put in pin or to sign. So in, in that case, though, it's still relying on the chip because it, it, the chip does have codes yep. and things in it that helps you to know that, hey, this is a live transaction with a good card taking place. So it's still using that technology that we have from the chip. Is that correct? Right. Right. A hundred percent. And that's because, you know, again, the main kind of fraud that we were seeing prior to EMB was actually from counterfeit um, credit card fraud. So someone coming and putting a skimmer on and lifting credit card details and making counterfeit cards from um, that those mag swipe initial transactions. That's actually where the main amount of fraud was coming from. 
So actually a stolen credit card, most of us know if your wallet got stolen, the first thing you do is you call your bank and you tell them to, to, um, to terminate your credit card, right? And reissue one. So if someone physically, you know, stole someone's credit card and still is going to pay with it, you know, an EMV terminal, the chance of, you know, how long that's going to happen for is, is, you know, it's a very short lifespan. Um, but what was happening and why EMV is so important is actually because when people would go and pay with um, non-EMV credit cards and swipe it, their information was being stolen at the terminal. And then the fraudsters were using that information to make duplicate counterfeit cards. So that's why it's shown that we're able to reduce so much of um, a credit card fraud by just implementing the need for EMV cards and EMV terminals without even needing um, to take the time, if you will, for inputting a PIN. And the gas pump was one of the number one places where they like to be able to steal that information because it was outside in the public for the easier, fraudster right? to do something. Yep. You know, right, and 100%. What, and, and I acted uh -huh. in the same manner, you know, because we're in the unattended space, right? So think vending machines, air and gas, um, water refill stations, um, electric vehicle charging stations. By definition, all of these locations where there isn't someone there physically watching the, the payment terminal and we're able to give that 24 seven, 365 um, consumer purchasing experience. So it really was in a lot of ways, the prime um, place also for, for fraudulent um, um, activities to happen, which is why EMV is so necessary, especially when you're looking at unattended payments. Okay, one more thing, because you mentioned it too, of the counterfeit cards. Is it true? Could people really, because I know I've saw this, go to eBay and purchase the equipment they needed to be able to produce these cards? Like, I think it's like $35. You could literally buy a skimmer for $35 online just about anywhere. Um, and, you know, and, and stick it on, come back, or even, you know, via Bluetooth, be able to pick up the, all that, you know, that static mm -hmm. information in the back of that mag swipe. Exactly. So super easy to do. Way, way, of course, we never say anything is impossible, but way, way, way more difficult to do and nearly impossible um, to do, you know, when you're, when EMV, when that dynamic chip part is being, is being used. Yeah. See, I, I love that you clarified that because I've had conversations with people over the years and they think that these fraudsters are super geniuses. And don't get me wrong, some of them are, and I wish they would use their powers for good. But in the reality of what happens in the fraud world is you can just buy the equipment, you can download the software, that's what the, the dark web is and how it exists. And you don't have to be that smart. You can just plug and play or follow a list of instructions to start committing some of these crimes. And that's why we saw it all over the place, which leads us to why we need EMV compliance. And why it's so important, especially again, 75% decrease, that, that's huge. So what, what exactly is the core of EMV compliance? What's that mean when I'm talking to a bank or an issuer or a retailer? How are they going to look at that? So the number one thing, right, is being able to use a, a payment terminal that is certified. So L1 and L2 certified, which means that the actual piece of hardware, the payment system itself is certified for both contact and contactless EMV transactions. Um, this is the important part um, to get to, especially when we're talking about EMV contactless, um, as we can come back to that. And then the final part that is just as crucial is L3 EMV certification, which is end-to-end -end certification with a, a bank or a processor, right? So the actual piece of hardware, the payment device itself, the, the POS, 
needs to be certified um, for EMV, as well as that linkage between the device and the bank to ensure that it's fully encrypted. Okay, cool. Now, you mentioned different levels. Let's say there's an L1, there's an L2, there's an L3. And is L1 that just the basic of what everybody should have in place? No, so L1 and L2 are just contact and contact lists, right? So when we're talking okay. about EMV and the chip on a credit card, um, you pay with either contact, sometimes called dipping, so or inserting the credit card. Um, I could say that actually I just ran some numbers before our call. So on NIAX terminals across the United States, um, about 56% of all of the transactions we are currently seeing um, for the past, I think, a 12-week period were actually EMV contacts. So someone inserting their chip card into a NIAX terminal. Um, when we're talking about the the other, you know, the L1, L2, the other certification um, is EMV contactless. And that's being able to pay either by tapping your credit card. So, you know, they have the little waves on the credit card now that shows that there it is NFC or near field communication capable, mm -hmm. meaning that you can still pay using that dynamic chip in the credit card, but without actually having that physical interaction with the payment terminal and just tapping it, um, as well as EMV contactless also refers to um, uh, loading your credit card into your smartphone and paying by Apple Pay or Google Pay and having a NFC mobile wallet transaction as well. So those are all the, the, the kind of three available ways to pay um, you know, via EMV. This podcast is brought to you by the VSoft Corporation. VSoft offers core processing, digital banking, and payment processing solutions for financial institutions of all sizes. Follow us on Twitter at VSoft underscore corp and online at VSoftCorp.com. Okay, back to the show. Okay, and I love tap and go. To me, it's just the greatest convenience in the world. Though yeah. it's, it's funny, some people, the first time they see it, look at you and go, what are you doing? How did you do that? And I think that's a great opportunity to educate the public on it too. Now, when it does come to those levels of compliance too, are there any areas where people are, let's say, failing of where they're not doing what they need to be doing? Like, for example, I know the gas pumps that I mentioned earlier, they were one of the last ones to get to where they were compliant when we saw it in so many other places in the industry. Is there anywhere right now where people are lacking in compliance and what they should be doing or what they could be doing to make sure that they stay within compliance? So, you know, the thing is with EMV is that it's not actually, especially when we're talking about inserts, it's not required, right? You can still choose as a retailer to have a swipe-only terminal. But um, one of the other statistics I have is that on Diag readers over the past 12 weeks, 33% um, now of all transactions, so basically one-third, are contactless. So I'm lumping that together as both a mobile payment and also tapping a card. This has gone up um, in around uh, Q2 of 2021, um, that was only about 20% on our own readers. And several years before that, we were seeing less than 1% of all transactions being contactless. So from a growing demand and a consumer demand, contactless is by far the, um, the, the largest type of transaction, um, you know, from, from a growth perspective. And contactless, you used to be able to um, pay with contactless, still using um, we're calling that mag swipe kernel. So even though you were tapping it and you're using the NFC capability to transmit the payment, it still wasn't using that dynamic chip card. And now um, gas pumps, I believe, have completely turned off that ability. So if you do not have an EMV certified reader, you cannot take a contactless card. 
traditional retail is the same. You cannot take a contactless transaction if you're only using a, a MagSwipe enabled um, or MSC um, uh, reader. And the industry that NIACS um, specifically focuses on, which is that unattended uh, retailer experience, um, starting in April, the card brands are also disallowing um, contactless transactions if they're not on an EMV certified reader. So, you know, when you think about the need for EMV, sure, you can elect if you want to only, you know, have swipe, but consumers are used to paying now with their chip cards, either by mm -hmm. tapping or in, in, you know, inserting. It feels weird. It feels unsafe. You know, it's not safe to pay only with swipe. Um, there's a chargeback liability to retailers if you're not utilizing an EMV certified um, um, POS device and someone does have a chip card and they could be paying by EMV, they, the retailer gets hit with, a, with the chargeback liability if there is a chargeback. And most importantly, consumers are not able to pay with contactless anymore if you do not have an EMV certified um, terminal. And, you know, again, like I said, I mean, that's a third of the transactions. That's a lot of lost revenue um, retailers could be experiencing in any vertical, whether it's traditional retail or unattended machines um, or gas pumps. You know, we're getting used to now tapping and, and leaving the house with just our phone. So it's pretty crucial. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of questions I get all the time. Uh, one of them is, why can't everything be on my phone? Why do I have to actually carry cards around? And, I, and I'm like, we're getting there. We are definitely getting there. But one I want to ask you that I get a lot too, and you, you mentioned it a lot. Now, actually, I love the 33% up to contactless payments. There's probably a whole conversation right there. But it is the, the, the fallback transactions. I, I get asked this a lot. I, people say, hey, I went to this particular insert retailer name here, and they told me, swipe your cards or swipe your card, swipe your card. It'll fail. It'll fail. It'll fail. But then it will take it. Why are they doing that? What's happening with that? I mean, that's actually a legitimate question I get a lot and I've experienced it too, or they'll have it taped off where you can't put your, your chip card in there. And, and you even mentioned, you know, retail, we, we feel weird when that happens now. You know, at first we were like, this takes forever. Oh my gosh, when's this going to get faster to where now we've gotten used to it. And if I don't put my card in, or if it is something weird, like they tell me, make it fail, make it fail, then do it this way. That's a red flag to me, but why would any retailer do that? Why would somebody be doing it that way? So, and first of all, you're right. It used to be much slower, um, EMV transactions. So over the years, the speed is, is basically back to the same as swiping. Um, some of the regulations for EMV have actually been kind of slimmed down. So we still have the security, but the actual certifications behind it um, are or have been improved. Um, so the speed of actual EMV transactions it just sometimes maybe feels to a consumer like it's taking longer because you're actually, you know, holding it in. But you actually, when you time it out, it's exactly the same now um, to pay by EMV as it is just to swipe. And to your point, why would someone actually have it taped off? Um, probably because, you know, when we talked about that L1, L2 and L3 certification, the L3 is even if you have a L1, L2 certified payment terminal, if it's not actually fully certified and enabled with a bank, then you still can't utilize the EMV functionality. Um, so most likely if someone actually has that still blocked off or you know the piece of cardboard stuck in the insert, um, it's because they haven't finished um, 
the, the EMV certification process with the bank. And that's why there are great services like NIAX. Um, so we are what's considered a payment solution provider. So when you buy a NIAX terminal, you don't have to deal with the banks and you don't have to deal with the card brands and the certifications. That is what we do for you so that they're plug and play and ready to go. And you're able to instantly accept EMV payments um, of every type and every card brand and not actually deal with that end-to-end L3 certification, which takes an entire payment team. And, you know, you know, we have hundreds of payment experts on staff in our HQ office. So this is what we do is we ensure um, all the compliance standards and the EMP standards and, and regulations are being upheld um, globally. Okay. I, I want to just clarify real quick, make sure that I heard you right, because another question I get a lot from the YouTube channel and from the podcast is, um, and people will call me, they'll look me up and actually call me and say, Hey, I'm a small business and I'm wanting to be able to accept cards either in person or online. Who do I talk to, to be able to do that? And that is something that NAX can actually do. You can work with the directly with the retailer to be able to set them up to start accepting an EMV compliant payment. Is that correct? Yeah. So especially for small payments um, or for small retailers, excuse me, it, it's, you know, not everyone, you know, it, it's that, that's old thing, right? You don't want to be the jack of all trade master of none. Small retailers, most likely, um, they should be focusing on what they know how to do and what they specialize in, which is whatever their, their, their product or services that they're selling. That's when you look to the experts who handle you know, all of the compliance, the, cer- mm-hmm. the certifications, the security for you. And that's what a payment solution provider or a PSP, um, sometimes also called a payment facilitator does. So in the case, you know, of, of our company of NIAX, um, we are, we specialize in unattended um, machines. So again, vending machines, car washes, um, EV charging stations, um, uh, kiosks, micro markets, anything where people are self-checking out or paying um, on their own. And when you purchase a NIAX device, you're not just buying that piece of device, you're actually buying the entire cloud infrastructure, all of our servers, all of our our, our, our banking relationships, all of that certifications. So for those that reach out to you and ask, you know, how do I even ensure that I'm compliant? Look for a payment solution provider that handles that and takes that, that risk out of the individual retailer's hands. And that's the number one thing that most of them are looking for is, I don't know what to do with the compliance. I don't know how to be able to manage the risk. What can I do? So I love that you're you're solving that for the industry. Now, uh, just a couple more questions before we close out here. And a couple of things you mentioned was, first of all, the EMV caused a 75% decrease in fraud, which is huge. And you talked about, you're seeing from your data a 33% of transactions are contactless. So when it comes to the future of EMV and EMV compliance, especially, what's it look like? What does that, if you pull out your crystal ball of electronic payments, what does the future of payments look like and compliance look like for especially the U.S. market? You know, I think, you know, again, the, the, while the card brands and the issues and the acquirers are not saying swipe is not allowed anymore. It's also becoming more and more prevalent to actually pay by contactless. So I think anyone who has not actually um, taken that step to ensure they have an EMB certified and enabled payment, um, a a POS um, that allows for EMV contactless payments, not MagSwipe contactless payments, but EMV contactless payments. it's not even, it's beyond, I think, security 
and compliance issue anymore, you're actually going to be hurting your own revenue. When we look to other mm-hmm. markets, um, like the UK, like Australia, they don't even offer readers anymore that have a swipe or an insert. It's a hundred percent contactless. Even, you know, even in Canada, we're seeing the vast majority of transactions are contactless. So, you know, it takes a while um, for consumer behavior to be changed, right? So, you know, we're used to pulling out a credit card and we, we were used to swiping. Now I think the majority of us are used to pulling out our credit card and inserting it um, with the chip. But more and more um, of consumers are, are are seeing their peers, they're seeing, you know, the, you know, Visa and both MasterCard have made huge pushes to get um, contactless um, acceptance higher in the U.S. Um, almost all cards now, at least the majority of cards in the U.S. Um, have contactless capabilities. Um, Apple Pay, of course, is very prevalent. So as consumer behavior now is starting to get more used to um, paying by tapping a credit card or by paying with mobile payments, um, you know, that's really as we're looking forward from a retailer standpoint, you need to be able to to allow consumers to pay with how they want to pay. And I agree. Consumer behavior, we learn and we get used to things. I was at a thrift shop this weekend with my son looking at retro video games and they only took cash. And I was like, what is this world we are suddenly in? What do you mean you only take what's cash? Uh, I'm so used to, again, everything being on my phone. Uh, This has been great information. And and one one more question. My last question I like to ask everybody is, you've got a a wonderful education and some experience in the world of electronic payments. And thank you for sharing your knowledge. Seeing you rise to become the CEO too, that's impressive. A lot of people that listen to the channel are new into payments or come just getting into this, this area. And I, I like to ask the people who are, who are the, the veterans that have got the experience, what would you say to, let's say your younger self, here you are just graduating from college. What would you say that this is what you need to do to really be able to improve your career, to have a successful career in the electronic payments world? What, what advice would you give to, to the younger self or to the listeners out there? Don't say no to any opportunities that are presented to you. So, you know, I kind of joke around, um, you know, we we all have to do something the first time. So, um, you know, whether you call it imposter syndrome or just kind of a doubt in yourself, you know, I I think, you know, have confidence in something that you can research it, that you can figure out and don't say no to any opportunities that are presented to you. You say, yes, you'll figure it out. And, um, you know, you just keep opening doors and figuring out what's of interest. You know, like you, I think payments is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have trouble now seeing myself being in, in really any other industry. I think it's so dynamic. Um, but I got here through, you know, any opportunity that that was presented to me saying yes and giving it a shot. So just don't say no to things that come around your way. I agree. Say yes and figure it out. You'll learn something at worst. Yeah. Okay. And you, you might end up yeah. being very That's successful question. at the same time. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Carrie, thank you. The people who seem to know a lot more. Yeah. Well, Carly, thank you so much for being on the uh, the Payments Podium. This has been the Payments Podium. I'm Kevin Olson, the Payments Professor. This has been Carly Furman. She is the CEO of NAX. We've had a wonderful discussion about EMB. If there is a topic you would like to have discussed on the Payments Podium, you can email me. That would be kevin at paymentsprofessor.com. And I would be glad to discuss whatever topic you want to hear out there. Or if there's somebody you think that needs to 